Hi, welcome to Campus Lang Harriers Keeping Connected podcast episode one. Uh, this was an interview with Stephen Wiley by Ian Reid via Zoom that many club members and other athletes attended. As Ian says in his introduction, we are doing this to keep in touch and maintain a feeling of togetherness during the worst of the COVID restrictions. And we hope you enjoy it. Right. Right. Thanks a lot for everybody uh, coming along. Uh, this is just uh, the first episode of Camerslang Harriers Keeping Connected. Obviously, we did some stuff during the first lockdown and this is just to get us going a wee bit again. So, obviously, just now we're all missing training. We can't get together. So, it's just to have a wee bit of social interaction, a wee bit of banter. Uh, and uh, obviously hear a wee good bit of, from Stevie Boy in terms of see what's made him tick over the years and see what's uh, all the great achievements he's uh, had and what a great servant he's been to the club. So we really want to try and make it interactive as we uh, can. Uh, if we're talking about any stories about Stevie as we go along and anyone was there and wants to pitch in at any point, uh, by all means, you can. Uh, Dave will be looking at it and you can unmute yourself at any point and and a wee question here or there, or if you feel it's just a more general question, we can just pitch in at the end. Uh, Richie was asking me the other night whether I was going to be doing a, a PowerPoint with this, you know, but there will be no PowerPoint going on here tonight. Uh, me and Stevie are not the most digital, uh, so there'll be no red and white background or anything like that. Uh, it's just really a good chat, as if we're up the club, having a wee informal conversation. So it's a great privilege for me to do this. Uh, I've known Stevie for many a year. He's uh, somebody I admire and uh, look up to. Um, he's been around the block a few times and he's always up the club and supporting people. Uh, and with all the achievements he's had, he's a very modest wee guy, you know, and he's not here to brag about what he's achieved. Uh, but I think it's important for us as a club to recognise his uh, achievements. Um, so basically, one of the things that the reasons I wanted to do this, Mike did a similar talk to Stevie many, many years ago, and I thought it was a, a great talk and, and uh, to have a look at everything that he's achieved. And there was quite a lot of good stories behind it all. And um, recently I was on a, a group chat uh, when Jamie McKinnon, I think, uh, I think it, became, it was stud in the 1500 metres uh, at the Scottish National Championships. I think that might have been in 2019. Somebody can correct me if that was wrong, wrong. But at that point, we were looking at right within the group who all had national individual medals. And uh, every, there was maybe, I think Ryan was on the chat and maybe Stuart Gibson was on the chat. And there was people here and there. I had a wee medal here and there. And then me, Stevie, pitched up and says, oh, I've won 23 national individual senior medals. So that put us all in our place. Um, six of which these, of these were all in one year. 1997 to 98, he had a clean sweep of all the, uh, a lot of the distances over that year. And then another interesting fact about Stevie was that he won the Scottish 10 mile national road championship title 10 years apart. So he won it in 1993 and he also won it in 2003. Um, the time difference is, is quite good as well. So in 1993, he ran it in 47 29. And then in 2003, he ran it in 48.20. So that's, you know, that just shows you it, the consistency he's had over the years. But when you'll find out as well, Stevie, when I asked Stevie about when he reached his peak, he says he had two peaks and there's uh, reasons behind that. So over to Stevie, boy, I'm just going to ask him some questions as we go along. So uh, first question to you, Stevie, is really 
how did this all begin then? When, when did you start getting into running and why running? You know, what, what attracted you to that as a sport? Ah, uh, well, thanks for inviting me on to do the talking. Appreciate it, mate. I well, started about, probably about 13 when I started. I was into football to start with, most young boys, but the kind of football wasn't for me. So I was in the public park one day playing football for my team. Mark Gallagher probably remember Anford Boys Club for Blantyre. So we were in the public park and a freezing cold day. And we, were, we were winning 13 now, we have 10 minutes to go, and I was a sub. Starting there freezing. I was up to wee John Sankis, the manager. Says, I'm John, come on, any chance of getting again? Ten minutes to go. I'm bloody freezing here. He just turned around and looked at me and said, Steve, we can't put you on. We can't afford to, to throw this lead away. So that was enough for me to say, right, that's it. So that was the last Pippa game I played. So that, that's when I, I finished with Pippa. So I ended up getting into running. I got up to a bit of mischief at school and I, I ended up, I get suspended. Believe it or not, good boy like me. So I got suspended, so I was sitting in the house. And my dad said to me, you're not sitting about the house all day when you should be at school. So get your trainers on, I'll take you running. My dad was a marathon runner back in the 80s. Used to travel everywhere, doing half marathons and marathons. So I started going out with my dad on all his runs, and I quite enjoyed it. So I took it for there. I started training with my dad. How, how, I, was, how, I, was, how, I was about 13 when I started going out. How interesting, Stevie. What, 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 what kind of caliber was your dad? Was he, what, what kind of times was he doing for marathons? He was never a club runner or that. He just done it as a kind of hobby. Kind of. Yeah. In the 80s, marathon was booming at the time. So I think his best for the half was about 127. And he ran 327 for the for the marathon. Right, but it was okay. consistent. He ran half marathons nearly every weekend. And they were all doing about the one... But the 130 to 135 mark, right. you know, good, 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 good. And there's a there's a myth there's a myth going round the, the, the a wee bit of a story. You that you basically completed 25 half marathons by the age of 14. Is this true or? Uh, it's, it's definitely true. I pro- probably more than that to be honest with you. Because when I started training with my dad, it was days we'd go to a race every weekend. We would be away or the country, so didn't have a camera. Dad, a motorbike. So I used to go on the back of the motorbike and we'd go to all of these races. So I was too young to enter officially. So I'd run with my dad and then just before the finish line, I would just like pull out. So I, I, every weekend for probably about a year and a half we were doing that. <laughs> Ten mile races, fun runs up and down the country. Uh, the motorbike was a bit scary because after like the half marathons and stuff, I was knackered. So on the way back, I had a wee habit of falling asleep. <laughs> the back of the bloody motorbike. So he used to tie. He used to have a rope. He ties. He tie more to him with the rope for the motorbike. So when he fall off the bike, obviously I was at knackered after doing the races. About ten minutes into the drive, one day I was kind of nodding off. My dad kind of caught me. So anytime we went to a race after that, he had the rope with him. He used to, used to tie me on to him. So the way him, I was always sleeping in the back of the motorbike to get him. So that was kind of how I how I started. Good, good. There is some kids on tonight, so I, I suppose that's maybe not the most conventional way of getting into running. And no. maybe they, they, but you know, it's, everybody's different. But I suppose it shows you straight away that Stevie's determination and also his uh, ability to endure uh, at a young age. So, so when did you actually go from there, Stevie, to joining a club? Uh, did you and what? Where, where did that all come from? My first club was uh, Hamilton Harriers. 
I can I started. There was, there was a guy who stayed local to us. He was a, he was in the hires. They used to see me run my dad. And he said to me, he said to me, I'm my dad. So if you wanted to join the club, my dad wasn't interested in joining the club. So I ended up going to Hamilton Harriers. Uh, I think it was about probably about fourteen mm-hmm. when I joined them. So that really kind of moved, moved me up a wee level and showed me kind of different types of training, like speed sessions, whole sessions, things. Like I'd only been out doing jogs, but they didn't feel like jogs to me. But it was like ten mile runs and stuff, but all at one pace. I didn't, yeah, didn't yeah. realise there was stuff like speed work, whole sessions, track work, and all that kind of thing, you know. So. So that introduced me to that. And Hamilton Harris at the time had a great, had a great squad. Experienced guys like Andy McClendon was there. He's still running the new. A lot of folk will know Andy. Brian Campbell Sr. was there. A lot of guys have been running for years now. So I learned a lot off of all the guys at, at Hamilton. Good, good. And how did how did, uh, how did Cameras Lang Harriers come about then, Stevie? I was with Hamilton probably for about two years. I used to do a lot of training. For Blantyre, where I stayed, down through Canberra's Lang into Rutherglen. And a few times I'd been out, I'd got a motor would pull up. And I later learned it was Robert Anderson. But the car would pull up and the guy would shout encouragement and that to me, you're going well and stuff. And then again, it st- I'd stop and have a wee chat with him. And he's saying, ah, I'm in Canberra's Lang Harriers and you should come down. We've got a great bunch of boys about your age. You'd be great to, tra- great to train with, you know that. I was like, so I knew it was Robert this and so I, oh, Robert, I couldn't do that. All my pals and that are all at Hamilton. I couldn't leave them, you know. So, but he started to get to know Robert a bit better. And he's come down to the house a couple of times, get me to meet up with some of the boys at Canberra's Lang to train. And uh, eventually persuaded me to to join Canberra's Lang. I've never really looked back since then. And was it, is, it, is it true that he basically uh, offered you a job to join? He <laughs> did, actually. That was like, you know, I think that was a, I think that was a clincher. So after trying to persuade me for a while, he'd been down at the house and that, he, he said to me, he said, if I come down, I'll get you a couple of shifts. I'm like, sure, the money, I'm, I'm thinking, I said, well, the money would be handy. I said, what, what is it you doing that? He's like, I run a coal yard. So I'm like, a coal yard? He's like, I'll get you a couple of, couple of shifts doing the coal. So I'm thinking, coal? So I thought, aye, all right, I'll do it. So he got me to come down to his coal yard one day. He's he had the, he had big job at the coal yard doing kind of where Morrison's is in Canberra's Lang now. So I turned up down there to the for my first shift. This wee old guy comes out. He looked about, he must he looked about 80 to me, probably was about 40, but I was a young boy. He could hardly walk and all that. He's like, right, you're with me, son. So I was out with this old guy, go to the first uh, first drop and burn side. He's like, right, we've got four four bags of coal into the bunker in the back here you grab two and I'll grab two I, I weighed about five stone at the time you know what I mean didn't realise how much bloody bags of coal weighed so the old guy gets out I thought he's no chance no bother bag of coal on that shoulder bag of coal on that shoulder away he goes marches in the bunker comes back out I'm still trying to lift this bloody coal bag off this lorry honestly the weight and you'd think coal was quite light but I had no chance at all boy just kind of tutted that and he shook his head told me to get back in the van. He'd, he'd done the rest of the round himself. So, uh, the job didn't work. I think I lasted about two shifts doing that. But by that time, I'd already joined the club. So, he's we planning to get me a the couple deal of was done. It worked, you know what I mean? The deal was done. And what, what, what were you... So, obviously, the, the club structure would go. You know, we're trying to bring juniors through into the, the senior ranks. So, what, what were you like as a junior, Stevie? Were you... 
obviously you've achieved so much, you know, brilliant PBs and all that over the years. But what were you like as a junior? Were you, were you, were you always really good or did it, were you, you know, did it just come slowly with you? Or? It was quite a, it was a kind of slow progress to start with. I, I started competing for Camsland really, I think as a junior, first year junior, but I'd run as a youth for Hamilton yeah. and I wasn't finishing, I wasn't winning races then, like I was maybe, like district championships, I was probably in the 20s, maybe 30s, sometimes 40s, never yeah. up never up the front of the field. Yeah. But once I joined Campbell's line, I started doing more structured training. Now, I could see the way boys trained down there, older guys, maybe not, no, maybe five, six-year-old than me, guys like Jim Moore, Eddie Stewart, Alec Gilmer, Charlie Thompson, all these kind of guys who are really good runners. I seen the way they trained and I thought, I thought I was training hard. To see the way these guys train, so that gave me a wee kind of kick mm-hmm. to say mm-hmm. if I want to get further up the field, I'll need to come up my game to their kind of level, you know. Yeah, uh-huh. it's good to hear that because I think that's one thing you've given to people a lot over the years is that you know, people and preparing for this talk tonight, you know, I've talked to a few people and you know, you've trained with everybody, you know, I mean, you've basically been there, you might have trained with people um, in a, a small group before. <laughs> And you brought up people to a different level, you know, because they realise the commitment that you've had over the years that gets you to the, the places you've got to, you know. Um, so you basically started learning from all these guys, and some of these guys must have become big training partners of yours, I presume. So who, who was your main training buddies over the years then, from the Cameras Lang, or even out with Cameras Lang, I suppose? Aye, well, you say, I've trained with probably near, near enough everybody for the club at some point, or another, even... For the club sessions, whether Tuesday night runs or were sessions we might Johnson at the track or wherever we trained, Glasgow Green or whatever. But my main kind of guys that I trained with on a kind of daily basis, regular, were Jimmy Reid, he's probably one of the main guys, Charlie Thompson, obviously. We, Robert Gogroy, was a great wee guy to train with. They're all club guys. Out with the club, had a good spell of training with Alan Adams. Really good to train with as well. When I was doing Gerben, I trained with a couple of good boys, Kerry Liam Wilson and We Ross Bart, Fishton Ra were really good to train with as well. But all the all they guys were the, the kind of main guys I trained with, and, and they were all great to train with. Jamie was really good. He was Jamie's strong as a horse. And Jamie's won the Scottish Marathon title probably three, maybe four times. I'm not sure. Jamie will tell you. Yeah. But really strong runner and high mileage runner. So Jamie was probably dead consistent. And, could run all day. Yeah. We, we Robert Gilroy was brilliant as well because good bit of banter. Oh, banter, brilliant man. Some personality, and his uh, enthusiasm was brilliant. And he turned up for a session with Robert. He's always buzzing for it. He's never doing, never get any excuses. Didn't matter what you were doing. You could Robert could turn up one day and you could say to Robert, "Right, we man, we're doing a day, thirty-five times a mile with thirty seconds recovery." It's for a joke. Robert, Robert would be like that. Yes, yeah, beauty and all. He'd go for anything. Didn't matter what you told him. If he'd want to do it, that was me, Robert. He was, he was just, he was always bouncing. I mean, so he, he was really good to train with. And then Ch- Charlie, Charlie was probably my main training partner for the years. Trained with Charlie probably for about 15 years, almost on a daily basis. So Charlie was right up there with, with anybody. And you both got the best out of each other, do you think, in terms of your training? You sort of pushed each other on? I def- definitely. I mean, I, w- I worked with Charlie for a spell as well. So I was working with Charlie all day in the Barzai and Brew factory. And then we would train most days after work. 
we'd either go to Kelvin Hall, train indoors, or we'd drive to Shatlerow Park. But we'd run, we'd run together almost every day, me and Charlie. So we spent a, a good deal with the, the day together, working all day together and then training at night, you know, so spent a yeah. lot of time. And also, I presume Charlie was always basically buying and you at this point, but in Blantyre, yeah? Aye, that's right. Aye, Charlie was playing one. So Charlie would come through to my bit most times. And then again, I would go through to Clyde Bank and train. He'd have his circuit in the industrial estate there that he used to use. So we'd do quite a bit of training there as well. But most of the time, Charlie would come out to Blanton, we'd train Strathclyde Park or up Shatleroa. We'd just do our road sessions around about Hamilton and that, you know. Good. And you had to pull you out of bed a few times after a few hangovers? Or... Oh, I, was, I, I did say Charlie was good for training away, but there was good and bad about him, man, because the good was he was always dedicated and hard as nails to train away, but he never he never missed a session. He really didn't. And he wasn't happy if you missed a session and let him down. But one, yeah. one time he was at uh, I got a phone call for Charlie one time. He's like that to me. Phone goes, he says, eh, Right, Stevie, that's Carol Anthony. This is how long ago this was. I don't know. I can't. I don't know what age Ryan was, right? But anyway, got a phone call from him. He says, uh, "Hey, Steve, that's Carol Anthony Dwayne." What Dwayne? I, oh, congratulations, Charlie. That's, that's brilliant. He's like, "Are we gone running?" I'm like, "When did she have Dwayne?" He's like, five minutes ago." He's like, "Can you get yourself to the hospital? We'll go a run for here." I'm like, "She's just at Dwayne five minutes ago, Charlie." But that was Charlie, not I mean he'd remember to take his uh, his bag, his running gear, his trainers, not and he forgot to take caravans overnight bags for the van, you know what I mean? <laughs> so up to the horse, up to the hospital and done around with Charlie about 10 minutes after Ryan, B. Ryan Thompson was born. So that, that's my baby, but he's just Ryan about 24. Yeah, must be about that anyway. Must Aye, be about that, that. that was Charlie's dedication, you know. I mean, always did running gear with him and always made sure he got his he got his running. Good, good. That's one thing I always uh, learned off of you, Steve. You always have your running gear in your back of your car, you know. You never know okay. when you need it. That's it. Any opportunity, you know. And you've always got time for a run, you know what I mean? Doesn't matter yeah. how busy you are. You can always squeeze a wee, a wee urine somewhere. And so, um, so as I sort of alluded to earlier on, you were 10-mile ten, ten uh, Scottish national champion uh, uh, 10 years apart. So you, hit, you had two peaks, is that right, in your career, would you say? I'd say I kind of peaked about when I was about 1920. I, I, I kind of made a bit, bit of a breakthrough. So I peaked there for about maybe six years. From about 97 to about 2006, I was running probably my best. Mm-hmm. And then I had a wee spell away. And then I come back in about 2000, I think about 2010. Yeah. I had another five or six years where I, I kind of get back to the times I was running in the first peak. So I ran well from about 20 to 26. And then for my mid thirties, I can I was running almost as good as I was in the earlier days. So I can have two peaks. Aye. Good, good. And what was your uh, wee bit more about your training then, Steve? When you're hitting your peaks, so were you ever? Uh, I know you had been a self coach person. You were coached. You coached yourself most of the time. Did you ever have a coach? I didn't really have a coach as such as I wanted one, but I used to train with Alice McFarlane's group at the start. He'd a good group and used to train at a Crown Point. It was all guys from different clubs. So we guys for Shettleson, Springburn, Campbell's Lang, uh, Clydesdale, all different guys we used to train together. So I trained with Alison for a couple of years, but the sessions weren't based for me. They were just based for a large group of runners. We had, we had lassies in the group as well, and yeah. we had younger people, older people, you know. But I've, I've always been self-coached, but I've jumped in and out of groups. I mean, Mike Johnson 
Fair club's been really good with me as well. Anytime yeah. Mike's had a session, I, I can turn up at East Kilbride track or Glasgow Green and Mike it's never had a problem with just letting me jump into any of his sessions. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Good. And see, when you're at your peak, Stevie, what can you, well, obviously some of the guys that are coming up through the ranks and um, people like Gavin Smith and all that are you know, picking their mileage up year on year to just get to a great level. So what, what, were you a high, high mileage guy or were you more quality within your, your sort of training was, week? I was, can I, I, I consistently used to run about 80 mile a week. Right, OK. And then, then again, I would hit a 90. I never hit 100 miles or anything like that. Yeah. Usually between 70 and 80 mile, about 90 mile was about the kind of, kind of maze mileage I, I kind of hit, you know. So it's quite a high mileage, but there was guys in the early 90s and that who used to swear by 120 mile weeks and things like that. But the, the big mileage didn't really bother me, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you had a lot more quality in there, Stevie, in terms of, you know, the guys that are doing a higher mileage, you had more quality within your sort of week. I'm not sure. I think the miles does make you strong. I think if you, the more miles you can take, does make you strong. But I found that it was a good balance for me. So I, I like to do three sessions a week. So I would do a session on a Monday, session on a Wednesday, session on a Saturday, and then a long run on a Sunday. My long run was only like 15 miles. Yeah. So that's, that's not really a long run to some people. But I think to get the three, if you want three decent sessions in, I think it's difficult when you're, trying to, when you're running 100 miles a week, 120 miles a week. I think yeah. at 80, you can get away with your doing your three sessions. I think if you start to go above that, you're going to be, your sessions are going to be running really heavy legs. So 80 suited me. And what, um, what I mean, you're talking about your 15 mile run there again, just for some of the guys that are, you know, what, what, were, you, what were you doing that in back then, you know, in terms of pace wise? Because there's been a bit of, over the years, it was just people would just go out and just run at an easy pace, but then, more recently, it seems to be people are putting a bit more pace into their Sunday runs, you know. What, what did you do? My, my Sunday runs were always quite steady. I, I was probably, I, I'd say my Sunday runs were probably between 5.50, six-minute miling. Yeah. I didn't really go. I just usually went with how I felt. If I was feeling good, I would run quicker. If I was feeling a bit tired, I would take it easy. But they, they probably weren't any slower than like six-minute miling. On a, on a good day, I would probably hit them in about 5.40s. 5.45s, yeah. you know, on, a, on a kind of slower day, for maybe a, a race or a harder session on the Saturday, they'd be maybe 6, 6.10s, 6.15s, you know, but never purposely, I uh, never purposely went out and said, this is going to be an easy run, yeah. day like yeah. seven and a half minute mile or that, that was not the way I ran, you know, I know a lot of folk do that now, they go and, well, it's maybe the right way to train, train but it wasn't the way I trained, yeah. you know. Yeah. What about sessions, Stevie? Because I, I just I just remember you being the, the master of the short recovery and the active recovery. You know, like was that a big part of your sessions? Do you think? Aye, always short recoveries with me. I, I never took any any more than a minute for recovery, and it always kept moving in my recoveries. I wasn't the one for doing a four hundred rep and then stalling still for a minute, gone again. You know, I, I always like to make it a continuous run. So I was doing four. I was doing four hundreds. For example, I would do 20, 2400s with either a 50-metre jog or a 100-metre jog, usually a 100-metre jog. So you'd be talking about 30 seconds for the 100-metre jog and then just continuing right in there. So I used to always keep moving. I found it kept my focus better. Yeah, it, kept yeah. me in, it kept me in the zone of the session. It kept me focused on the session rather than stopping and starting. You know? So I, I used to always just short recoveries and always moving recoveries. That, that's the way I used to always work. 
in a, a longer rep session, Stevie, like say you were doing whatever kilometers or mile reps and stuff, would that be quite similar, quite a short recovery? Wait, down to about a minute? Usually, you know, I would do my longer reps, I would do like say six six times a mile or three times two mile, I would do. So six times a mile, I would usually take a minute recovery for my two mile, usually a minute again, sometimes two minutes. No, so this is always it's always between 30 seconds and a minute. Sometimes even less. Sometimes I would do a session. One of my favourites was 16 times 350. It was on the track. One of my favourites was 16, 16 times 350 metres with a 50 metre recovery. So the 50 the 50 metre recovery was only taking 15 or 16 seconds and then you were away again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And where did all these sessions come from? Where did all these... Is it just something you picked up from other coaches or is it just... Is it something you just trained with a group and you sort of sampled that work for you? Or did it, is it just, you know, something you stumbled upon? How did it all come about? I think I just kind of picked it up over the years, just different sessions, then just tweaked them to suit myself. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I can't remember. I think I, I think one day I was undecided whether to do 400s or 300s. I decided I'll just do 350s. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's as simple as that. And I enjoyed it. And I yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I done yeah. a wee sequence of these. I would usually do the same sessions for four or five weeks. So I would do six times a mile, uh, 16 times 350, and then either a tempo session. So I would stick to that wee, wee block for about five, six weeks. Yeah. And then I would change it. But maybe going to three times two mile, 24 hunters, things like that, you know. So I would yeah. stick to the same block of training for four or five weeks. And, I, and then I just tweak it a wee bit for the next four or five, just to keep it interesting, save you getting bored, and yeah. then you get save you getting hung up in times because yeah. your, your your times start to get the same, yeah. you know. And you think I should be fitter now. You're doing twenty four hundreds. Say I used to do them maybe about sixty sixes, right? So you get your fourth week, you were still doing them sixty sixes. You would start to say, you would start to think I should be doing them sixty fours, but it didn't work that way. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So just change yeah. the session about a wee bit. And you mentioned that word tempo there, Stevie. So what, what would be a typical sort of tempo type session you would have done back then? Because I would do different types. I would do the kind of standard one was a four mile tempo. Yeah. Yeah. I would do, you know, it, it was merely a merely a hard run. A, te- a tempo's meant to be no hundred percent, but Aye. when we did the tempos with we used to do them in a wee group, sometimes Charlie, Jack Brown would be there as well doing the tempos and I and Grant with a, a good wee group used to do the tempo, so it was, was turning it a race more than a tempo, no? Yeah, 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 yeah. So obviously this all prepared you for your races, and I, mem- I remember one of Charlie's comments was the, the, the races were the easy bits, you know, the training was the hard bits, you know? Right, right. That's, that's true. Because sometimes you're, you're training, you're training tired, but and some of the guys I trained with were right tough guys to train with, so you went into a race, it was like a day off, you know what I mean? You go to... If you were training on the Saturday, then a session like a, a four-mile tempo or a six-mile tempo, it was harder than some of the races because you were training with some brilliant, brilliant runners. And it was turning into a race then. So you go to a, you, you go to a race and it wasn't as good as the quality as the guys you were training with. So, But you felt as if you were getting a wee day off when you were going to a race sometimes. So it was quite good, you know what I mean? Right. So, Stevie, talk about it. Tell me about races a bit more. So tell me tell me your, your best ever race. What was your... And what, what what made it your best race? Tell me a wee bit more about it. Oh, that's a hard one. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I reckon I've probably ran over a thousand races. Is that right? Thirty-seven year. Thirty-seven year. You, you did start. You did start quite young. You, I, you're, you're, you're I mean, there's only 
I mean, there's only about 100, I think there's 160 odd races on my power of 10, but most of my races are not on there, you know what I mean? So I think I've run well over a, a thousand races over the years. Yeah. My best yeah. one, it's hard to pin down, but can I, I, one that sticks in my mind is I can I break through one for me was the Donkey Right Road yeah. Race. Was that 10k? It was a five miler back then. I think it's maybe a 10k now, but it used to be a five miler. So yeah. that was uh, that was held in March. So I was a first year senior, as I remember. It was a first, it was my first year in the senior ranks. So it was about four weeks after the national cross country. So I ran my, my first national cross country. What I, were you that, I, I finished fifth, so that was a great result for me right, on my first right. year as a senior. Right, I think right. I'd finished, I think I'd finished fourth in the junior man's one, which was a big, big step up for me because I was finished in the thirties and that youths and stuff. Right. Well, I finished fifth my first senior. National, so that was a good confidence booster for me. And I wasn't up for I think Bobby Quinn won it that year. Yeah, yeah. big Dougie Ronson in Fair Club, I think, was third. We won, the, we won the team title that year as well. So I was the first year senior anyway. So the, the, the Dunkey Wright came about four weeks after the national, so it was quite high in confidence then. Yeah, I got the Dunkey Wright race, and honestly, mate, it was it was a better field at the Dunkey Wright race than there was at the national. Honestly, yeah. you basically had everybody. It was at the National. Apart from Bobby Quinn, didn't run the donkey right that year, but everybody else, your Tommy Murray's, Alan Puckering, Hammy Cox, a lot of guys he's maybe not heard of, but they were, they were good runners back in the day. Everybody was basically there. Guys like Adrian Callan, all these all these kind of guys were there, no? Alistair Hutton. Alistair Hutton was a, he was a world-class runner. He's, he'd won the, the, the London Marathon and all these kind of big city marathons that you see in the telly and that, no? So, so, he was just a, so that, that was probably one of my best because I, I ended up winning that race and I beat the guys that had beat me in the national a few weeks before. Yeah. So that, that was a kind of that was a kind of breakthrough race for me. You know? Right. So what's the, so in that race then? What what do you think? What, what, why did it all click? You know why? And you, you're saying you beat Alan Hutton. So did he not go on and win the win the marathon that year or something? Or did he won it before? Or I think that was the year he won it. Actually, I think it, I think he ran that donkey right one. And then it was in, like a month later they won London. I think he ran two ten at London. Right. So I, 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 I had a great race with him that day. And I seen I seen Alistair Hutton. I'd never met Alistair Hutton before, but I'd obviously I'd seen him on the telly and that, and he was a great runner. I seen him warming up. And I'm thinking to myself, that guy's brilliant, man. No, you can just tell looking at somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. warming up and then he's strides and he just. We really Richard Carr. We really Richard Carr. He does his strides. He wasn't as good as Big Richie, you know what I mean? <laughs> Nobody's that good, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it wasn't Richie's quality. It did look apart, you know what I mean? But but when you were looking at this guy, Alistair Hutton, you're saying to yourself, geez, oh man, that's, this guy's like a machine. This is him just warming up. Yeah. No, so. And what but, time did you run that day, Stevie? Can you remember five miles? Can you remember what you did, Dan? The results are out there somewhere, but I think it was twenty. It was under 23 minutes. Oof. No, it, it, was a really, it was a really fast time. And I, I can remember the race because... It's one of the ones that always sticks out in my head, just because yeah. of the feeling that was my, my big kind of breakthrough. So yeah. when away, me and Alistair Hutton got to the mile mark, and I remember somebody shouted out, so it was something like 420, 427, something, something like that, you know. The first mile. Aye, we were away, and not that way you can sense there's nobody else in the bookies. And I think and Alistair Hutton turned to me and he says, that's us clear of the field. I'm thinking, clearly, if you were only a mile in, there was some brilliant guys in that race. And I'm thinking, I can't believe I'm running with Alistair Hutton here, you know what I mean? 
So it was just one of the days that everything, everything went right. And what was different about your training, the build-up to that, do you think, Steve? Was there anything that happened in the sort of two or three months before that? I think I've just been training hard and training consistent, you know what I mean, and growing in confidence. Every race I was doing at that time, I was getting better and I was getting closer to the guys that I used to be maybe two minutes behind in a race. I was gradually working on that, doing it a minute, then 40 seconds, and then I was getting closer to these guys, then I started beating them. So the confidence was growing all the time. I mean, the confidence was growing... It gives you that you boost to train harder, you know. So I was putting in the training, and and I think it was just a confidence thing. The more confident you get, the the harder you train, and the better you want to to become. Yeah, so I, I think it was just building up. Good, good, good. And so thinking about you know that's obviously a road race. Is that was you think that's your best surface, Stevie? Was it road or was it cross country? Or I don't know. I don't, I don't know about in the track, road and cross country. I prefer running the cross country. Probably my best results were on the road. Yeah, yeah. But I, I enjoyed the cross country. I enjoyed the road, but I think the cross country was better, you know. I, I yeah. like the, the cross country. There are no times. Every course was different. You're not looking at your watch for like your 10K PB or whatever, you know what I mean? You're just, it's a yeah. proper race cross country, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. definitely. You know, so you're, you're, that, was, that was some result you were saying. So fifth in your first year senior, senior man, that's pretty good going. So, What's your best, Stevie, in terms of the uh, National Cross Country is obviously a master for our club. What's your best you've achieved on that? The best I got in that was second place. Uh, I think that was in 2003. Yeah. I finished second that year. It was, it was held in Linwood that year. It was yeah. a pancake, pancake flat course. It was, it was really muddy that year, right enough, I remember. But it was pancake flat. And I, I was second that year. So that, that was my, my best. I, I finished second, fourth. I think I've been fifth a couple of times. Couple of times I've been doing the twenties, but second was my the nearest I got to to winning the, the national. And you must have been in, uh, you must have been a member of quite a lot of the the sort of the, the Camber Line team then for the uh, we had there was it seven in a row we, we had wasn't it? So you were you in all those teams or in most of them? I was in I was in about that era. But I wasn't in all the teams. I think I, I think in the seven in a row the time we we had seven in a row. I think I was part of four of the teams. Right, okay. Good. There's a good. couple of guys, I, I think there's a couple of guys were in all seven of the teams. I think Colin Donnelly was in the, the seven of the teams. I think Charlie Thompson oh, might have been oh. in the seven of the teams as well. Yeah. And I think yeah. the rest is was kind of in and out. But I think I was in four, four out of the seven mm-hmm. of the teams, which was a brilliant era for Camber's Lang. They really dominated the cross country then. Yeah, usually, yeah. usually, usually get in that team, you had to be in the top 20. You know, yeah, so we, yeah, yeah. We usually had six runners in the top twenty, and sometimes we're seventh, eighth, ninth runners were like in the top 25, 30 and still couldn't make a team. Yeah, I think one year was there. No, one year Alec Robertson was twentieth or something like that, and he didn't even get the team rank if I remember correctly. That's right, aye. aye. So you're finishing the top twenty, and not even making Cam's Lang's top six. That's how strong the club was at the time, you know. Yeah, and one thing I remember, Stevie, way way back was the the national relays. Always remember the national relays for some reason. Always. And I always remember you in the national relays for some reason. Just the, I don't know if it was just the, you know, the togetherness of the team, but it seemed to always bring the best out in you. So was that still in Cumbernauld back then when you were running the national? Or was it? I think it rotated a wee bit, did it? Yeah, I used to rotate. It, it, it spells at Cumbernauld as well, but I can remember it being at Preston Pans, uh, Irvin Moore, uh, the Magnum Centre. Irvin held it a couple of times. I can remember one year at the Cumnock as well. So it did just to move about, which was quite good. And how they, I suppose, back then, obviously, Cam's line doing very well at the National. 
on the February, but did we do well on the, the relays as well? I we just uh, I was part of I think three winning teams in the national cross country relay. Yeah. So yeah. we've won it. We've won it obviously more than that. I think we've maybe won it five or six times. I did. Can you be able to tell you better? But yeah. I think I, I think I was part of the team that won it three times. You know, so we've won it at Cumbernauld. We won it at Cumbernauld once. with a great team at Cumbernauld. I always remember we had Tommy Murray had a wee spell running ways. Yeah. <coughs> he'd left. Uh, he'd left Greenock and joined Campbell's Lang for a while. So he was, he was like probably the best in the country at the time. So Tommy was in that team. Dougie yeah. Runciman, a lot of guys don't remember Dougie. He was a, a great runner as well. Graham Crow was yeah. in the team. Yeah. And Marcel. I remember that that, that was it. Come not, and we won the relay that year with about a minute and a half clear. Yeah. Because yeah. I yeah. probably a record at the time, you know what I mean? To, to win it with that, that kind of margin. Yeah, yeah. And did you get, did you get any, any, any fastest times on that, Stevie? I the relays seem to bring it. I seem to always have good runs at the relays for some reason. I just seem to have good runs at the at the national relay. All the relays, in fact, I, I seem to, I just enjoyed running the relays. So I'm the not, fastest I'm times not, are a few of the relays. I. I mean, am I not correct in saying though you got the fastest time four years in a trot? Is that right? I don't know if it. I've had the fastest time four years. I don't know if it's four years in a trot, but right. I definitely I had the fastest. Had fastest individual time for. Four times, aye. Good, no bad going, eh? <laughs> I was happy with that. <laughs> and what about, uh, so, thinking away from Camas Lang now and other things you've achieved, obviously, what about representative honours? Did you, obviously, with the level you ran at, you must have ran for Scotland quite a few times. How many How many Scotland bests you had? See, to be honest with you, I, I, I couldn't even tell you, but I, I reckon it'll be probably, probably in the 30s, maybe 35, yeah. so, so, somewhere around about that. There used to be, Quite a lot of opportunities for running for Scotland. I don't. There might be is because I'm kind of out of that kind of scene now. I don't know what the opportunities are like now, but there was quite a lot of opportunities back then. <clears throat> they used to take Scotland teams to like the the cross country challenges. So we would go to Malusk and Belfast, Durham, Gateshead. So there was like quite a lot of opportunities to to get in the Scotland team. So all the space of a few years, I, I got quite a lot of vests now. Yeah, good, good. And what about, uh, did you have any GB best or anything like that? No, I never, I never really got to the GB level. Uh, wait, wait, should, should, should you not have though? Could be, you know, a reserve one year? I get close. I, there was a few times I was tipped. They were saying, oh, you should win my show to get into this championship and that championship. But I never, I never get selected. The, the closest I got was uh, the European Championship, cross-country championships. I didn't run the, the trial for that down in Margate. And uh, it was supposed to be the, the first four. It was part of the Inter Counties. So it was the yeah. first four for that race was meant to get in the team to get selected for the European Cross Country Championships. I think I finished third for that year. So I finished third and I thought I'm in the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About a week later, the team got announced and I wasn't in it. Right, right. I think, oh, what's going on here? And then I got a phone call for some guy, the British Athletics, can't even mind his name now. And he said, you've, you've been named as uh, the, the first reserve. <laughs> Right. I was a bit, that was disappointing, you know what I mean? Were you a bit, so, gut, you a bit gutted? I was gutted, I because the criteria was the first four. Yeah, yeah. That was stated before the race. Mm-hmm. But Scottish Athletics put in a week and I complained about it. The Scottish Cross Country Commission it was back then. And um, they said that the guys that they expected to turn up for the trial had not all turned up. So you guys like Eamon Martin, Paul Evans, 
Dave Lewis, English cross country champion, things like that, hadn't they turned up for the trial? <clears throat> so they changed it because they wanted all these top guys in the team, obviously. So they changed the criteria and they just put the first two. And I think, I think it was it used to happen quite a lot with the Scottish guys. They would be running really well up here, running fast times. And then when they get picked for GB teams, I think a lot of the time they thought, okay, it's up in Scotland, it'll be a short course or yeah. there's no way that guy's run that time. If you didn't date in England, I think they didn't rate you, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And what about, did you get to run as a reserve then or what happened with that? Did you run a race or? Aye, well, I've been doing, they gave me all the kit and all that. I felt like a bit of a fraud, you know what I mean? They gave me the, the track suits, the bags. They even gave me trainers, like full, full rigged man, like two bags of stuff. So that was great. But when you're not on the team, you're not really interested in that. But I spent three nights out at the team hotel with the team praying that somebody would get injured or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so I could get around. I was desperate to run, man. I was confident. I knew yeah. I was as good as these guys, you know what I mean? And, yeah. I, and I thought, this is my chance to. Because I, I was under impression that if I get in this team, they'll know my name. Yeah. And then yeah, if I yeah. run well again, I'll get selected. Yeah. But I think yeah. you had to get a fit in that door, you know what I mean? Yeah, so I, yeah. I was looking at these guys saying, I, can, I hope one of these guys, not a bad way, but I was just that desperate to run. I was yeah. hoping one of these guys will not turn up. Someday will get injured and I'll get a run. I, kept, I knew I was fit and if I ran, I would have ran well. Yeah, but yeah. it never, never happened. All the guys ran, but what they did took was they ran the, the European cross-country race and then straight after that race, they had a reserve race. So the two reserves for each country ran the same course as the the European cross country champs had just been ran with. Mm-hmm. So I got a race with it anyway. Still still got to run in the GB best, mm-hmm. even though it was a, a reserve race. So it was still a, still a good quality field. Yeah. You know what I mean? The two reserves for all the how do you on that how you on that day, Stevie? Well, I won the I won the reserve race, which was brilliant. So that's what I wanted today. And what right. I wanted today was I watched I watched the main race and I had to, I had to watch on it. And I'm looking at the, the, the GB guys, I'm timing them. So I knew I, I'm going to run that course next. So I, I, I timed them and I said, right, I got the last guy's time, the last GB guy's time. I said, right, that's my target. That's who I yeah. want to beat. To, to prove yeah. that's the man of the team. You know, so I ran, I ran the race. And I actually won the reserve race. Good. And my time was free. I think I was the fourth fastest. Out of all the British guys. If you're in the, the first race as well. Yeah, yeah. Smashing it. Prove it to yeah, them. Well, it was brilliant. It was brilliant because Doug, Doug Gillen was there who used to write for the Herald and on the Monday wrote a big spiel about how I was cheated out of my place in the team. Is that right? Right. Yeah. right. So right. It, was, good. it was good to prove a point. Good, good. So... That, say again? I was just going to say, that's as close as I got, mate. Ah, well, close, closer than a lot of people, mate. So you've done well there, that's, obviously. That's so... Good. So over the years, basically, you've, you've obviously great, great achievements, and then you've, you've you've also had a few nicknames um, that I've come across. So obviously, you were called the Pocket Rocket awesome. uh, by the boys from Armagh. So uh, you had a few good races over there. I've not had Armagh a few times. I won't use on here over being out there, man. It's a, it's a great race, man. So I not there. I think it was a, the first time I went out there, man, with the club. We used to get an invite or. It was a big race at the time, probably not as big as it, as it is now, but still a good, still a good quality race. So, aye, that's where I get the the pocket rocket nickname. I think what happened there was we were running. A lot easier, know the course around the square and the Armagh City Centre. So we're running around the square and the, the commentator was shouting out the, the names. So he's shouting, 
the lead group we've got Dermot Donnelly, Bobby Farron. And I was in that lead group. I don't think he had my name on his team sheet. It was a day, it was the days before computers and all that. So I think the boy that was doing the commentary had a list of names that he thought was going to be in contention. You know what I mean? And my yeah. name obviously wasn't on there. So he's shouting these names out. And then he says, he's saying, but Bobby Farron in the lead group, followed by Dermot Donnelly. And then the pocket rocket from Chambers Lang. So he carried this on right throughout the race. You know, he's like, I just... I think he didn't have my name on his on his sheet, so he's just, he's just called me the pocket rocket. And then at the presentation, is I, I finished second that year. Uh, Bobby yeah. Farron won it. He beat me by second. So at presentation, he shouted him up again as a bit of a joke. Second place, the pocket rocket. So I'm mean, back in next year. Tell Matt, I know I was brilliant. Man. So I'm back Did in next it? year. Did you ever win it? No, no, I get second. Done it. I won. They used to have a. They used to do the five k on the Wednesday and then they would have a cross-country race on the Saturday. All oh, right, yeah, yeah. I won the, the cross-country race a couple of times. It used to be a double, a double-dunner yeah, event. double, double, aye. Aye, aye, aye. aye. it's aye. only the 5K now. It used to be a double-dunner. So I won the cross-country race a couple of times. But uh, the best I got in the, the 5K road race was, was second. So yeah, I was yeah, back, yeah. back a couple of times after that and the, the guys still kept calling me the pocket rocket you know, on the commentary. <laughs> so that's, that's where that you came to. What about your other nickname I came across was... Um... Uh, which I suppose shows you a wee bit of um, your commitment to your running. You were called the uh, White White Bulb Steve. Oh, I was like to find out about that, innit? I've got my sources, got my sources. <laughs> oh, that, that's a bit of a long winded story, this one, but if you want to hear it, I'll tell you. <laughs> well, we've got to go for it. Right, well, if anybody wants to get a cup of tea or grab a wee beer or something, this is your, this is your chance to do it. Anyway, I used to like White Bulb Steve, that, that came about. Uh, when I was uh, living in Isle of Man, I, I, I got a job on Isle of Man. It was living accommodation in a hotel. So I got to the hotel on the first night and it was in the middle of an area. I'm like, it's about a half hour drive there. I got off the boat at uh, Douglas and Isle of Man. A half hour drive away to the, this country hotel. And you, you know what it's like when you're a runner. You're, say you're on holiday and you're going on the bus to your hotel. You're not thinking, oh, that's lovely scenery. You're thinking, well, is this place going to be any good for running? You know what I mean? You're, look, you're looking at things like that, aren't you? So I'm getting up there, I'm going, it doesn't look as if I'll be able to go running anywhere here. I was like, I the hotel and met the manager and all that. He's, he's saying to me, uh, he's saying, ah, you'll, be, you'll be 12 hours shift this day, 14 hours shift that day. I'm like, what the hell, man? I'm, I'm not going to get my run in here. And it's the middle of an area. So this went on for a couple of days, and they running. I thought, I need, to, I need to think of something to get a run here. So what I ended up doing was, when the managers would all finish about four o'clock in the afternoon, so once they were away, I used to jump in. There. I was a porter. I used to drive the wee van in that day, we wee old job and stuff. So when the managers were away at four o'clock, I decided I'll jump in the van and just say to the sets, and I'm away doing to, to the tune to grab something for maintenance or take a resident in at the tune centre or something, right? So I, I got away with this for a, a couple of months. I was jumping in the van saying I was going down to the tune. So I was going down to the track, wasn't I? So I would jump in the van, kid on, I was away, my bag in that, put my bag in the van, nip into the tune, into Douglas, do my session on the track, I do a wee, just have a wee circuit round where the track was, it was a mile long, do my training round there, quick change, jump back in the van, and get back up to the hotel. So obviously, I used to have to have an excuse to come back, so I would always come back into the hotel with something in my horn, usually a light bulb, so I, would, so I would walk into the hotel, just in the off chance, nine times out of ten, nobody would say, where have you been? 
you know what I mean? But I always carried a wee light bulb with me back into the hotel in case somebody said to me, what were you way into the town for there? I said, oh, maintenance. I would just say, maintenance had asked me to go down to town and pick up a couple of light bulbs. So anyway, cut a long story short, unbeknown to me, one of the managers had a flat overlooking the running track. And he'd clocked me. He'd clocked me running around the track. And I get into work one day. And he, he said to me, I'll be word with you in the office, Stephen. I goes in the office and he's like, eh, it's come to my attention that eh, when you're supposed to go on rota, that you're, you're, you're doing the running track and going to the gym. I wasn't going to the gym, I was going running. I parked at the gym, you know what I mean? He said, eh, it's come to my attention that you've been eh, on the running track when you're eh, supposed to be working. Can you explain this to me? So I explained it to him. I said, oh, I need to get a running and all that. You know what it's like, but it wasn't a runner. I said, I didn't know what it's like. <laughs> so I decided to... Eh, Part company and I, I kind of finished that job. So that, that's when the name Lightbulb word, word got out that I'd uh, basically get the bullet for the job. And then they, they kind of realised why I was always cutting about with this light bulb. So the, the boys in the the boys in the running scene or there, the Manx Harriers I used to run for, they started calling me Lightbulb Stevie. So that, that that's what I, it's, not, it's not quite as good as uh, the pocket rocket, but it was. Uh, entertaining but it also shows you your commitment also shows your commitment okay you know it's like you always want to squeeze a running didn't you no matter what it means, so. it means we can start calling you again up the club you know <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was long forgotten that one no but it's out there now like ball stevie that was a that was my nickname on isla man so then you obviously came back from isla man had a good spell again stevie and then it's into the the older age groups how, how have you found it over the Sort of into the masters years, he's been a masters athlete. Any tips for some of the masters that are on tonight, or how do you see the masters? Do you think you've given it a good go? I know you've had a, quite a few injuries over the years. Well, the masters is a brilliant scene. There's some brilliant runners in the masters now, and it's a good incentive to keep you going. You know, when you're moving up in the, the five year age groups, you know, yeah, it, it, yeah. it does kind of keep you motivated because you, you get the masters international every year as well. It gives you a wee, gives you a wee target to yeah, go for, yeah. but. Yeah, have you enjoyed the? I suppose that was thing you've quite enjoyed over the years. Stevie must be going down to Sutton Cofield with the the Canberra Lang team and trying to get some British medals. Aye, that's that's a brilliant event, especially especially for us at Canberra Lang. We were masters; it's so strong, you know what I mean. I mean, yeah, two years yeah. ago, two years ago we went down, been down several times like yourself, Ian, and a lot of the boys on here the night. But two years ago was brilliant. That was my first uh, time going down as a male forty-five team. So it was a forty-five to fifty-five-year-old team. Yeah. Myself, Justin Carter, yeah. Kerry Wilson, Chris Upson went yeah. down that year and yeah. we won it. We won it really fast, I think. After the first leg, we were in like 30 second position. After the first, yeah. it was a four man team for that age group. Yeah. So I think we were, we were lying about 31st, 32nd after the first leg. I think yeah. three and a half minutes, I hadn't the, the leaders, you know, but we come through that day and we won it. And days like that as a master's brilliant. Yeah, 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 yeah. And sort of like uh, looking back in your running career, Steve, is there anything you would you would change or anything you think you would go back and try and do better? Or are you quite quite happy with everything you've done? Like I've never looked really any regrets. I enjoyed my running, you know what I mean? And I'm still enjoying it. I've still got a good few years ahead of me. I still enjoy running. I still enjoy competing. So I'll, I'll always do it. My only regret I've got, I never won that bloody national cross country. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the one I want. That's the one all the kind of decent club runners want to win in it. Yeah, that, oh. that was a boy, Graham Reid, wasn't it? Aye, Graham Reid. Aye, Graham Reid, aye. He used to run for... 
I, I think it was a boy who ran for Clydesdale Harriers yeah. and then he moved to America for a scholarship yeah. Yeah. in athletics. So yeah. uh, he came back, he was only scholarship in America at the time and he came back to, to run the national that year. But the guy's, the guy's a good runner. I mean, he holds a, he holds a Scottish indoor record for 5,000. It's not yeah. a big event. It's run often 5,000 metres indoors, but he'd yeah. it, set, set that about six weeks before he, he won the, the national that year. Yeah, so yeah, I knew yeah. I knew the guy was good, you know what I mean. But that's the only thing that I'll never be able to do now is is win yeah. that one. I, I won all the road championships and yeah. West District cross countries and things like that. But I'll never get a chance to win that. Now that that's gone. But that's that's the only thing. I, if I'd have yeah. won that, I'd have been I'd have been more than happy. I think. But you're saying you're saying Stevie no regrets. But what about the West Highland Way anyway? Oh, well you you had to bring that up. I, I was just start, <laughs> I was just starting to forget about that. By the way. <laughs> Ah, that was a. You have, that to, was tell a a wee, you have to tell us a, a, a wee version of that, Stevie. Oh, that was a race and a half, wasn't it? I'll, 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 tell, I'll, I'll tell the star, right? I was, I was first, I was first leg, basically. I can't, I can't remember the whole team. <laughs> Willie Fairley was there, and uh, Tony, McCormick Tony McCormick McCormick was in there. Who else was in? I can't remember. There was Willie, so yourself, Tony McCutcheon, uh, me, was Simon Gold running. Oh, I can't remember. Can't remember. Simon, Simon was there. I don't know if he was running it. Simon was there. Uh, so I remember. Was... I, I remember. I ran the first leg, and it, you know, it was it was competitive enough. But I came in first leg, you know, in, in the lead, and uh, handed over to wee Stevie. <coughs> and, uh, Stevie went bombing off, and I remember one of the guys. I uh, can't remember who it was. Willie or somebody says that we had to convince Stevie not to wear his racing flats. Aye. On the, uh, on the, you know, he was, he was going over the, what, what was the bit you went over? The double staircase? You're oh, double staircase, mate. Double staircase. Racing Nightmare, man. What happened, Stevie? Oh, mate, well, I'm not a hold on, obviously, as you'll find out, but well, I'm not a hold on at the start, really, so <laughs> it was a bit of a shock to the system. So you 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 were in the lead in that first leg, and I think you had about a seven-minute lead or something. It's a massive, massive lead. You, you were miles ahead of anybody. So I took on. I think my leg was, I think it was Glen Cote, Kinlock leaving. So it was, a, it was a 10 mile leg. But we Simon Gold had said to me, just be careful up the devil's staircase. He said, it's a big massive hole and all that. So I can't, it'll be all right. So anyway, I had shorts and vest on, racing shoes. So it was quite a nice day when we were driving through there, if you remember. Yeah, the, yeah. The sun was, but we go to that Glen Cote ski centre and it was snowing. It was a, it suddenly it went to about minus 10, didn't it? You remember that? Oh, it's horrible, horrible. I didn't, I didn't have any other gear away. We had the shorts, best, shorts and a best on. My racing shoes, we fucking, I think they weigh about 50 grams or something, these things, you know what I mean? But I'm, I'm saying, oh, but right, it's only 10 mile. So, off I go. I took it quite steady at first. Because a few people had warned me about the devil's staircase. But I go to that devil's staircase and I ran off it and they bother, feeling good. She said, oh, this is all right, man. Then the heavens opened. Got to the top of the devil's staircase. The heavens opened, man. And I said, right, I'll, I'll start picking the pace up now. But I didn't know that the surface, it was rocky as hell up there. So I started picking the pace up and slipped on a rock. Right down I went, man. So I tried to hang me my fall and put my, put my horns out and doing like a ton of bricks. Skied at a lange ground for about 20, felt like about 20, 30 yards. It was probably only about two yards or something, but... <laughs> try, try to bounce back up and I stood up and my bloody shoulder was away around there so I've done myself a badge in here but it's a relay so I had to try and keep going Tony McCutcheon was waiting to take off for me and I'm thinking 
Tony's he's going to be he's desperate to run. We've not come all the way up here for me to drop out in the second leg. We've got another five runners or what still to run. And I was at the five mile mark. So I had five miles still to go. <laughs> I'm thinking, no, oh, it couldn't have been a worse place, could it? But it happened a mile to go, but it been so bad. But five miles to go, and it was absolutely freezing, freezing cold, pouring the rain. I tried to run, I couldn't run. My, my arm was agony, man. I'm saying I can't run. The arm was killing me. One by one, the runners started to catch me. After you gave me a seven-minute lead, <laughs> they were just started to stream by me. Where did you end up, Stephen? Do you remember? It was oh, really, I remember. It was, just, it was so surreal. I remember uh, me and Willie took you to Fort William Hospital. Aye. And I, I just couldn't. It was one of these moments. It was just, uh, it was really bad, but it was also very funny, you know? Because I just remember you you, you just not really realising how much of a bad injury it was, you know? And you, you were the most... It was, it was it sort of... Uh, epitified your sort of uh, your sort of um, character because you were more disappointed about losing the relay and you were the fact you just got your oh, shoulder. I was gutted, mate, about losing the relay. I honestly was, man. I, I was hating it. I, I had to walk. I couldn't run. So I had to walk for this five mile and my, my shoulder was agony. What did, the, guys, what did the hospital say, mate? Oh, well, I got to the hospital and uh, they were pumping me with morphine and all that. Because I, I was, by the time I'd, I'd done that five mile, I'd hyperfermed and everything. They put the, the foil sheets around me. I was just shivering like a dog coming out of bath. So they put the, the tin, tin sheet around me and all that and got me to the hospital, waited a couple of hours for the x ray. The x ray was like, ah, you've dislocated your, your shoulder badly. Gave me all the painkillers and all that. And the, the nurses like that. We've not got an orthopedic uh, surgeon in the hospital here in Fort William. She said, we'll need to uh, transfer you to. Ragmore, I think it was, hospital in Inverness. Yeah, something like, yeah. I don't know, 80 mile away or something. This was about 10 o'clock at night by this time. I'm thinking, oh, I don't fancy that. So she, we nurse goes away and she comes back. She said to me, she said, I've got another option if you're willing to, to do it. She said, we've got a local gang here. He's not an orthopedic surgeon, but he dabbles in it a wee bit. We could get him a phone and see if he'll see. But this was about half 10 at night. She said, we'll get him a is this a guy who deals with animals or something? Aye. I will, aye. I found that out later on, aye. <laughs> <laughs> so she gave this guy a phone and, and, and she came back and said, aye, Dr. So-and-so just stays along the road, so he's going to come along. So 10 minutes later, this guy appears, man, big trench coat, pissing the rain outside. He was stuck to the bloody skin. Big beard and one of the kind of cowboy hats on. I'm like, surely this isn't the guy that's going to fix my arm. <laughs> the guy can lose the right character. He comes in, he goes up. Yeah, just to let you know, I'm not actually an orthopedic surgeon, but if you're willing, I'll, I'll try and knock this into place with you and that'll put your, put your pain at ease. And then he said to me, I normally deal with, with livestock. And then let out this kind, of, this kind of laugh, you know what I mean? I'm like, is this guy joking here? Is he, is he serious? You know what I mean? So anyway, they put me under the anesthetic and this, this big guy set about us and put me in back into place. So that was a day to remember the old uh, West Highland Relays. Aye, aye. I remember being up the club a week later, you know, and telling people the story. And then I was like, oh, it was like nightmare, you know. And I said, it's me, Stevie. He'll be out of action for, for, for months, you know. And then Barney Goff was there. And Barney Goff goes, ah, I saw him out running the other day. Ah, you can run with a sling on, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think she told me, she said to me, you'll need to take six weeks off work, off uh, your work, and uh, no running and that, you know, for the for your errands. I heard it. You know what I mean? Six weeks old. But it was a laugh in the hospital, I mean, because uh, it was like the walking wounded in there because there was 
we were on a wee ward to six beds and there was four other guys in there that had all ran the, the West Highland uh, race. Well, that's yeah. a fucking 500 mile hang or whatever it is the day yeah. that the, yeah. the Mad Ultra runners. So yeah. there was guys in there with bandages on their head and like, you know, cut to ribbons and dehydration and all that, you know, and I'm I'm in there and the nurses like, oh, you guys are you guys that do these crazy distances, what you like and all that like, what 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 kind of distance do you do? And I, I was like I was ashamed to tell her I was only doing a 10 mile leg, you know what I mean? There's guys in the hospital that ran a hundred mile. I'm lying in the hospital. I know was it that was the last year of the, the West Island Way really, I think. Because uh, yeah, they stopped it, they stopped it after that me. Too many people because just jumping about. So what's the future hold, Stevie? What's the which what you want to anything you want to achieve in running now, or are you you just you just happy getting out and going going for a run? Oh, no, I'm I'm always wanting to uh, keep me competitive. No, I mean I'll, if I if I get a spells uh, without injuries, I'll, I'll always want to compete in even in the masters categories. Well, I've turned a vet fifty in November. So that's another wee challenge, trying to go for bet 50 races and things like that. No, I still want to compete in the senior races and get as far up the fields as I can in them. Yeah, you know? yeah. I'll still always yeah. be competitive. I mean, I'll, okay. I'll, still get, I'll still get, as long as I can, I'll, I'll always get running. It doesn't yeah. matter if I'm doing a five-minute mile or a ten-minute mile. I enjoy, I enjoy running, so I'll always do that. Good, and if, good. I, if I get to a stage where I'm fit enough, I'll, I'll run and I'll, and I'll compete. I'll always do that. Yeah, good. That's good to hear. Good to hear. So that's all from me, Stevie. Uh, it was a pleasure doing that. Good, love, love your wee stories. Um, I'd just like to thank everybody, yourself from Cameras and Harriers uh, for doing that. Uh, and also, I don't know if Des, I think somebody says that Des might come on and just say a few words. We've had people putting some questions, obviously. Uh, people can unmute themselves now if they want and uh, ask Stevie any questions they want. Um, so is this Des there? You want to say anything, Des? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, uh, thanks, Ian. Thanks, Stevie. Uh, I'll be fairly short, but I think I could sum it up. What an amazing night! And uh, I think the, the quote on the chat from somebody said they could listen to this all night, Stevie, and uh, and it was brilliant, brilliant blend of running stories and real comedy gold. Absolutely <laughs> into the heart of that. A uh, couple of wee points from me, which were amazing. Four point four five for a first mile in a run. And then you see you go out for a slow run, six-minute miles. Holy me. Uh, and then that wee bit you said you've got a sense of running when nobody's about. Aye, I think many of us have got that. But we're at the tail end. You're at the front. You know? <laughs> so, uh, and who could forget the pocket rocket? You, you're, that's you. That's that named. Uh, so just a few quick words of thanks, folks. Uh, thanks to everyone, as Ian has said, who's joined us tonight. Uh, on what has been the first session on keeping us all connected during the lockdown. And we've got a few more planned for you. And quite ironic, eh, particularly for yourself, Stevie, eh, when Perseverance landed on Mars eh, this week, it's quite appropriate that the club's motto is actually persevere. Eh, and you've certainly showed us tonight through your stories and through your brilliant eh, efforts of all the hard work and perseverance and how it brings success. So well connected there. So on a personal level and on behalf of all the club, we'd like to thank you, Stevie, for giving of your time. Uh, and I'm sure we've all learned from what you brought tonight. And to a brilliant host, Ian Reid, who's put in tremendous effort to prepare for this well in advance, as I'm sure you can see. Uh, and it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I think uh, a genuine thanks also to Dave Tom for all his digital support and helping everybody tonight. So my final pro, in case anybody's got any questions, is just to say thanks to everybody. 
a good night. Keep the red and white flag flying and great to see others joining us from other clubs, your friends and colleagues. Uh, and guys, we're in COVID, but keep on running. Just listen to Stevie and that enthusiasm. So thanks very much for me. Thanks, folks.